Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. These are the prison epistles. Sandra Day O'Connor was the first female uh, on the Supreme Court in the United States. Uh, and it's really interesting as you, as you look at her life and her rulings uh, that she, she never went along with the party line. Uh, and it was often a source of frustration. Uh, and, and as a result, she, she usually became the swing vote, the deciding vote in the Supreme Court uh, for most of her time uh, as a justice. Uh, she, her desire was to go into each case not listening to, to the party expectations, but to listening to each case based on its own merit, its own worth, and trying to find wisdom and discernment in the midst of each hearing. And, and, and not that I agreed with every decision she ever made as I, as I look back on it, but one in particular stood out, and that was uh, her decision on affirmative action. Um, and, and she heard the case, and... and and I thought it was really interesting that she acknowledged that, that sure enough, affirmative action meant sort of racial preference, for lack of a better word. But, um, but she actually voted for it. You see, she acknowledged that it's not ideal, that there's something, there's something seemingly off about it. But based on, 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 on the place where they found themselves as a country and, and the injustices of the past uh, and the hole that's been dug, she realized that this was what was needed in order to try and build up to a place back of justice. And she, she voted for affirmative action and brought it in. But, but she put a caveat on it, which I thought was really interesting, um, that she said that in 25 years, that hopefully they would be able to remove this ruling. And so it was a temporary thing. So she, she chose to, to do that, which was perhaps not... Uh, in her in her mind, ideal for the sake of building society where 25 years from now, it wouldn't be needed anymore. And so I just felt like what she was really trying to do um, was find discernment and wisdom in the midst of her rulings and not simply cater to the party lines, the party expectations, or flowing with the crowd. She kind of stood alone in that way. Um, Jesus tells us, uh, as he sends his disciples out, he says, be as innocent as doves, right? In our character, in our purity, in our nature, be as innocent and spotless as doves. But he also says, be as wise as a serpent, which seems seems interesting, right? When, when you look at it from a distance, like Jesus tells us to be like snakes, be as wise and shrewd as a snake. And he realizes that not everyone is going to be for us, that we can't trust everyone and to actually use discernment as we interact and engage with the world. Um, Paul tells uh, the, uh, the Corinthian church, he says, uh, or he, I guess he says this to Timothy too, he says that to watch your life and your doctrine closely, meaning watch what you know to be true about God, your theology, guard it closely. Don't let others let it sway you into, into false theology. Don't let others pull you away from orthodoxy. But he also says, watch your life closely, how you interact with others, how you interact in the world. And Paul here is going to be writing to the Philippian church. So this is a church that he planted, uh, and, and he's writing a letter too to them as well. The same idea of watch your life, your, your theology, your purity, your holiness. Press on that, work on that. But also, uh, he, he's calling them to live in such a way that there's wisdom and discernment uh, in how they interact with each other and how they interact with the world. And I think Paul's the call comes on us as well, too, of, of watch our life and our doctrine closely, how we act, being as innocent as doves and as wise as serpents. Um, Paul receives a, a vision from God to go to Macedonia and to, to plant a church there, to, to, 
to preach the gospel in Macedonia. And so he goes, uh, and there's some events in Acts that we see um, laid out. But at one point, he and Silas are, are walking through town, and there's this fortune teller girl who's possessed by a demon, uh, and she's following behind them yelling. And so they cast the demon out of her, and she loses this ability to, I guess, to tell the future. Uh, and, and this girl's, for lack of a better word, pimps. They get really upset uh, at Paul and Silas, and they throw them in prison because of the lost earnings. And so Paul and Silas are in prison, and as they do, they're worshiping. It's late at night, and they're just singing. Again, joy in spite of it all. We see it in Paul's life. They're in prison. They're singing. An earthquake hits, breaks open the doors. Uh, a jailer, the jailer rushes in about to take his own life because he's panicked that, that Paul and Silas have run away, and he's going to be held responsible for them, maybe even crucified. Paul and Silas say, hey, hold on. We're still here. Uh, we're still here singing. We're having a worship service. Uh, and, and the jailer ends up, as well as the jailer's family, come to faith. Um, they're, the, Paul and Silas are, are shown the door and kicked out of town, essentially. But the Philippian church starts with uh, Lydia, who's a businesswoman who they, they encounter earlier in Philippi. It starts with a businesswoman. It starts with an ex-fortune teller who uh, had a demon who was healed from that. Uh, and the family of a jailer. That is how the Philippian church starts. It you know, becomes very real uh, when you think of it that way. That's the Philippian church, and it begins to grow, and it's expanding, and Paul loves this young church as it begins to share the gospel and grow, and so he's, a, he's writing a letter uh, to them from prison in Rome. So we pick up the text in Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul and Timothy is with him there in Rome, helping him uh, while he's in, uh, sort of in custody. And he calls himself a servant. That word doulos means also like slave or bond servant, one who's attached himself in service. That's how Paul thinks of himself, not as, as leader, not as apostle here, but as a, a slave of Jesus. I thank God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Remember that Paul is, is in Rome, in prison. He's far from this church in, in Philippi. Uh, and, and, and his heart is for these people. He loves them. He, and part of him is worried about them and their faith and, and this fledgling faith as, as, you know, will they be able to cling to the, the truth and not be strayed? Will they be able to operate in this pagan society? But, but his, his faith is also that, that God is actually the one who plants the church there. That God is the one at work and God is also the one who will see it through to completion. That, that he's trusting Jesus at work in the church and it doesn't all rely on him himself. It's right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. For it is God is my witness how I yearn for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. And so, again, it, this is a, sort of his greeting to the church. He's just really telling them how much he loves and appreciates them. The Philippian church has been sending him gifts of money uh, and, and of people as well to serve uh, and go back and forth. And so he's just so appreciative of this church and, and the fruit that's coming from their faith. And he's writing this letter as an encouragement to them and, and dripping with the joy that he has um, that God is doing this work, even though he's in prison, even though he doesn't know what's coming in his life and his faith. 
so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so he's, he's praying for the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, uh, and self-control. He's praying for that in the life of this church as he sees this, the, the, the fruit starting to bubble up, even as they even as they love him and serve him. And there's this sort of mutual love and, uh, and submission going on. Uh, and, and here in, in Philippians 1, Paul again emphasizes um, that the expression of our faith is to be love. Um, that, that your love may abound more and more. His prayer is that, that their, their faith rooted in Christ, their theology would be deep, they wouldn't be shaken, but that as a result, their love would continue to abound. Um, Jesus says, love others if I have loved you, and this is how you will know my love, as you love one another. Um, even Paul says that the signs and, and wonders themselves, even miracles are pointless if we don't have love. But Paul says that the love of the Philippian church here needs to be built on knowledge and discernment. Your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. This knowledge, I think, being a correct understanding really of, of who God is, this an understanding of Scripture, the truth of who God is, the truth of who we are, the truth of who Jesus is, and the truth uh, of the hope that we have coming in Jesus and what we're to be about until that time, that, that, that would be, we'd be grounded in that, that we'd be rooted in truth unshakable. And, and he wants them to have that knowledge, the theology being correct. But he also says that it would, they would have all discernment. Um, and, and I think there it's an understanding, a correct understanding how to live in a sinful and hostile world, living with wisdom, not just knowing uh, what to do, but also how to do it, uh, how to have that kind of discernment in the midst of a, a crooked and depraved generation, as we've seen in, in Paul's words as well, that, that they, would be, uh, they would be innocent but also that they would be shrewd, that they would be wise in how to operate in the world. Um, and for me, what I think Paul's call here for us is, is, yes, that we need to be about love. But I think the call here in, in, in this knowledge and discernment is, is first to slow down. That we do need to slow down and realize that not everyone is for us. Not everyone is for Jesus. Uh, that not everyone is trustworthy, worthy of our trust. And, and we need to slow down and use discernment as we seek to be a light in the darkness. Um, Jesus himself prays that, uh, that we would be in the world, but not of the world. And so there needs to be this discerning presence in our lives as to how we interact and how we live and having both the knowledge and the discernment. Not just going with the flow. And that's where it comes back, I think, to O'Connor, that it would have been so easy for her just to go with the flow and, uh, and, and follow the party lines. But, but instead, she chose in every moment, in every case, to try and be discerning and do what was right in that moment, irregardless of the pressure that she felt on both sides. And the pressure was very real. And so for us, it, it's stopping, slowing down, and not going with the flow just because everyone else is going in one direction, just because something is culturally acceptable, just because others want to champion certain things. Instead, it's stopping, slowing down, exercising discernment, and going, what is true and what is God calling me to? 
Uh, and so uh, today, I think the encouragement and the challenge is as we, as we wade into this, this broken culture, as we try and live this out, uh, is, is I encourage you to slow down today, especially if you've got big decisions that are happening. Um, if there are big things going on in your life, don't just go with the flow. Don't just go with what seems natural or culturally acceptable. But I want to encourage you and pray that you would stop. You'd slow down and that you'd pray. God, give me knowledge and give me discernment. Help me to see what's right and what's good. What is the right way to go in this moment, even if it, if it seems completely opposite to what everyone else is doing? Stop and pray using knowledge and discernment as we seek to be a people of love. Hopefully you can do that today. Slow down. Take a moment. Pray for knowledge. Pray for discernment. Seeing beyond what just is on the surface, but truly what's going on and what God would have us do. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you that, uh, that you are the one who, who started the work in our faith and, and you will see it through to completion. God, we thank you for your love, which is poured out for us, that we can have joy in all circumstances because the hope that we have in you. And thank you that you are with us from moment to moment. God, help us to have knowledge, knowledge of what is true, what is right, what is good. And God, give us discernment. Give us the wisdom to understand how to walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And so we pray that we wouldn't just be pulled along with the, the flow of culture and the current of people around us, but God, that we would stop and exercise discernment on the way that you would have us go. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, I hope you have a great day. We'll talk again soon.